What if everything came with a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible? Like at the cantina. I'll take a half-calf spotchka. Lightweight. Here's your free audiobook download for Master and Apprentice from Audible. Or getting your pod racer serviced. My pod racer needs upgrades to the coupling and stabilizer. And here's your free audiobook download for Resistance Reborn from Audible. Life in the galaxy doesn't work that way, but there is one place you can go where you can get a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible. And that's utini.com slash audible. Click the Audible logo and start your 30-day free trial, which includes a free audiobook download. So visit utini.com slash audible and get your free Star Wars audiobook download today. Hey, this is Mark Thompson. I'm the voice of Yoda and many of the Star Wars audiobooks, and you are listening to Utini. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. Long have I waited. A Utini production. Hello. Hello. Episode number 50, The Rise of Skywalker Novelization Roundtable, Part 1. The Jedi's weapon deserves more respect. On this episode, we get a terrarium update. <laughs> and the Utini crew talks about the novelization of The Rise of Skywalker Expanded Edition by Ray Carson. I am all the Sith. And now, here are your hosts. And I... I'm all the Jedi. Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, and Dr. Charles Hankel. And Wes. We're all back. We are back. Adam yep. reading some so comics. I... What comics are you reading, man? What are you reading tonight? What's on the, what's on the docket when you're not watching our faces? I'm excited. Now the lag will will go through, and then we'll find out yeah, in the it's, chat. It's going to be long. <laughs> I read the uh, Keller Inn comic when you sent it to me the other day, Eric, and it's very, very good. Pretty I sweet, I wish I could have participated in that conversation you guys mm-hmm. had about it. You were that might be my favorite might be my favorite comic I've uh, I've read. The miniseries, anyway. Yeah. Most of them are like uninteresting and kind of unimportant for the big picture, but I was like, they cover some pretty hard-hitting stuff. Yeah, good. man. Soul's not messing around. No. He's the bomb. He's the bomb. He's the bomb. But you know who else is the bomb and who is completely messing around is all four of us on episode 50 of the Living Force podcast. Welcome, everyone. 50. I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and with me, as always, are the doctors themselves, Dr. Corey Helton. Hello. 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 Dr. Charles Hankel. Hey, buddy. Hey, guys. And Wes Roy Jenkins. Hello, hello. <laughs> Another week of quarantine. Another week of not shaving my face. Oh, it's so great not to have to shave your face, isn't it, Corey? <laughs> oh, my God. I hate all of you. <laughs> uh, yes, we are coming at you live from our respective quarantines-ish um, on this ish. Monday evening. Yeah, ish, because Corey and Charles still definitely got to go to work. The, o- the opposite <laughs> of quarantine. <laughs> uh, but how, how's everyone doing? How's our, how's our update? Wes, you and I have been quarantining in our apartments res- uh, responsibly. How are you doing? Not bad. Trying to uh, trying to stay busy. Trying to not lose my job, so I'm doing extra work um, past the hours <laughs> of operation. So, oh, wow. You know what? It, it'll work though. You know, if that's yeah. what you got to do. I've uh, <laughs> I've been trying to catch up on Utini stuff. I've been trying to figure out if my summer contract will happen at all, which is up in the air now for acting stuff. So that might be three and a half months just completely gone. Oh, but I've been watching West Wing, so that's been really cool. 
It's a great show. <laughs> so there, nice. there's highs and lows. Uh, <laughs> Corey Charles, what's what's the news from the front? How are we doing? Um, not a. I mean, everything you see in the news is crazy. Um, both Charles and I are in much lower risk areas right now. There are definitely positive COVID patients in our hospitals, but you know, neither one of us are actively seeing them, but you know, we're taking a lot of precautions. We're having to wear masks pretty much 24 seven in the hospital now. Um, lots of equipment shortages. It's kind of a scary time to be a doctor right now. You know, I read a, I read this really neat article about sort of people that have been in live combat talk about sort of a calm before the storm that people feel almost like a, like a, like an imposter effect almost like mm-hmm. you guys know like imposter syndrome is yeah, like, yeah. like oh i know it well it. i know it well yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's almost like it's like it feels weird that this is happening that it could happen to you and that's you know comparing this to combat is not even kind of a, a realistic you know uh comparison but like that's what i feel like right now it's like wow this is really serious and this could seriously affect us and we could all get really, really sick. So, you know, we're trying to take it one day at a time. We're very, very busy. Lots of extra training involved. We probably get hundreds of emails a day. I know I do. I'm sure you do too, Charles, Mm -hmm. um, of policies changing very, very fast. And, you know, other parts of the country are so far being hit very, very hard. And both of us are lucky enough to be in places that have not been hit as hard. So hopefully, you know, we will continue to see progress in the U S as far as testing goes and, uh, other things. So, you know, it'll be okay. Hopefully. We'll see. I hope Celebration doesn't get canceled. That's the Star yeah. Wars thing that's on my <laughs> mind in relation to Let's, let's keep I think that I, also at the forefront. I dreamed about it last night. Like, legit. I dreamed that it got canceled, and we were all out of money, and it was a horrible nightmare. I literally woke up from that this morning. I was like, God, I hope Celebration doesn't get canceled. <laughs> it was well, not a good dream. We will all be hoping that for sure, but in this time of stress and potential darkness and anxiety, only one thing can keep us all on the level and that is Corey's terrariums. How are those little jar plants doing? <laughs> that is not the direction I thought you were going to go with that. I thought that was the cold open of the show right there. Oh, not know. at all. Strong we're in work. It, baby. Terrariums, terrariums are good, man. Um, all of them are doing good except for one. The one that was in my office, it smells like doo-doo on the inside. <laughs> Remember the, the test of a healthy terrarium is if it smells like a forest, and this one smells like rotten egg. So it does not smell correctly at all um other than that we built four more (laughs) uh caitlin and i built lamps for both of our nightstands so both of us have lamps that are terrariums now um caitlin definitely didn't carry mine upstairs and then drop it after i had built it in the bedroom and and screw it all up i mean you can imagine it's got a bunch of layers in it and plants and stuff and it looks like she just like shook it up i can can see her like frantically scooping it back into the land from downstairs being like what was that she's like nothing nothing (laughs) so she had both of them in both arms and she dropped it and hers is fine somehow it's like landed perfectly but mine it was totally destroyed. She was nice enough to rebuild it for me. So I'm sure that's not a metaphor for anything. I wouldn't look too much. I was (laughs) really mad, (laughs) but we're good now. You know, we're still together. We haven't got a divorce. We're still together. We're still together. (laughs) Terrariums. They'll bring you together, but they'll also tear you apart. (laughs) Well, I'm so glad to hear you're making it through this tough time. Uh, Thoughts and prayers and all that jazz. Uh, A couple things. Just at the intro of this show, because, ladies and gentlemen, this is our part one of our Rise of Skywalker Expanded Edition Novelization Roundtable podcast. 
So we will not do too much in the intro here, but we want to make a couple announcements. Number one, we want to thank Mark Wright on our Patreon, who is a guardian of the wills this past week. We want to give you a shout-out, Mark. Thank you so much for all of that. Uh, a little selfish shout-out. I recently wrote an article over on Dork Side of the Force about the best Star Wars social distance champions. So if you need a little bit of a laugh, if you want to tell me how wrong I am about why Luke doesn't belong in the top five, go ahead, head on over there, and every click I get a little bit extra, so that'd be lovely. But most importantly, guys, Stacy on our team had a baby! She did. Yeah, she did. Congratulations, Stacy. Stacy, yeah. Shout out to you. One of the Eugenie writers, for, yes, from like, God, almost the original times. I mean, Stacy's been around for a long time, um, and obviously, it's it's a it's a scary time for a lot of people, especially around hospitals and everything. But as far as we know, everything went well. The little one is good. Star Wars is already being watched. So, Stacy, massive congratulations! I'm so glad your your little family is expanding, and we're all thinking about you. Take it easy. Uh, sorry that you have to be surrounded by the rest of your family during this time in quarantine. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, yes. yes. Um, and going forward, a little update on our podcast schedule. Uh, we are at this moment planning for next week to be part two of our Rise of Skywalker Expanded Edition roundtable. After that, on the 13th, is kind of open. If this roundtable goes a little long, we might do a part three, depending. And if not, there will be another Rise of Skywalker-themed episode with April 20th. In three weeks from now, being the start of our Lost Stars Roundtable. That's right. You asked for it on Patreon. You're going to get it. Three weeks, we're going to be talking about Claudia Gray's Lost Stars, and we could not be more excited. If you are already listen- reading that book and you're on the Discord, be sure to pop into the book club chats that are going chapter by chapter talking about how much they love Lost Stars in the interim. Speaking of Lost Stars, Eric. Yes, sir, Corey. We have, we have new t-shirts. Do all we? for Lost Stars. Yes. Just released today. Uh, shout out to Joxie in our Discord uh, for producing those. He has this really sweet t-shirt design. He really went above and beyond. He made the Star Destroyer one for... Um, for uh, this one, I had Drew Blake there. I was like, wait, what was that for? No, that was for this book. Yeah, for the Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> he, the t- he made one. Yeah. He did the t-shirt for Rise of Skywalker, and um, he just did a new one for Lost Stars. It vaguely resembles the cover, um, and it's got like all the, the text. It says... Uh, the Force brought um, us together. It says the Force brought us together. It also says... Um, what's the Look what's through the my eyes. Look through it? my eyes, yeah, yeah. It yeah, says, look, through look through my, my eyes, eyes is, a bunch the, of times. is the Lost Stars one, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, great. It's, it's, it's really cool. It's really sweet. The T-shirt is awesome. You can find it live right now on um, our T Public. So check it out. Absolutely. I, I believe it's one of the first, if not the only, Lost Stars T-shirts on the internet. So get some cool book shirts there. <laughs> uh, another real fast shout out. Uh, Patrick McIntosh was a dude that hit me up on Instagram and told us how much he loved the show and what we're doing. I just want to say thanks, man. That it made my day. I shared it with the guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. All those positive messages really keep us going and make our days. So, thanks a bunch for that. Anytime you guys want to hit us up on the Instagrams or the Twitters, we'd love to chat. Uh, I'd love to talk about the show. So, thank you so much. Patreon updates. We still have Bounty Hunt coming at you weekly for our Guardians of the Wills and above. We're talking Clone Wars. We're going to record the next episode of that right after this show in Aftermath. So, if you're watching live and want to stick around for that, you can. Uh, that's going to be up on the Patreon later this week. We also have dropping today, yesterday, I don't remember which one, uh, a Legends Look Back episode, brand new, Han Solo at Star's End. We went back to 1979 with Carl from our team, who somehow got back from Ireland, thankfully, 
but the, he joined the Legends Look Back guys. They talked about an old Han Solo novel. And finally, the Ghost Crew, the Star Wars Rebels recap podcast with me and Charlie is recording now. We've got two episodes in the can. We're going to bank as many as we can before we start rec- releasing them um, because of scheduling and all that stuff. But look for that at the Inquisitorious level and above coming out in about a week, week and a half. Uh, we're loving that so far. It's a lot of fun. It's a little different than any other shows we've been doing. So if you want to be ready for that, make sure you got it up on Patreon and you watch the first episode of Star Wars Rebels Spark of Rebellion Part 1. And if you're new to all this stuff, don't forget to subscribe to this main show wherever you get your podcast. Because every week, us here at Utini are talking about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. And please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes to help people find us. It really does help. Head over to Utini.com for reviews, articles, and book profiles on every single story in the Star Wars galaxy. Finally, everyone. Book news over on Utini.com. We just said we put up reviews. We got two of them up right now. There's a no spoilers review for this novelization that I wrote. And last Friday, we put up the full spoiler-filled review of The Rise of Skywalker Expanded Edition that Charles wrote. And, dude, you freaking knocked it out of the park. It's beautifully written. You're not allowed to write any more reviews because they make mine look really bad. (laughs) So I appreciate your work as always. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the kind words. Of course. And then tomorrow, if you're watching live, Tuesday the 31st, we're going to publish a review of The Art of the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, That is coming out tomorrow. It was originally supposed to be back in December, I believe, Uh, but they pushed it to March, and it is absolutely gorgeous. I wrote a bunch of words about it, so look over on utini.com for my thoughts about that and a way to order if you want. At this point in the show, we usually do book reviews. We don't got time for that. We're talking Rise of Skywalker, but please keep putting them on Utini. We love reading them. If you go to utini.com, look up any book in Star Wars, you can scroll to the bottom, leave a star rating and a user review. We're going to read the best ones on this show most of the time, but we don't have time to do that right now because we're talking all things Rise of Skywalker. Last thing I'll say before I throw it to Charles, if you want all of this cool content, you can join us over on Patreon. You get exclusive content every single month. For just two bucks, you're a Jedi Initiate. You get early access to this very show in audio format. For five bucks a month, you're a Guardian of the Wills. You get Legends Look Back. You get Bounty Hunt. And for ten bucks, you're an Inquisitorious, which means you get to be part of the Ghost Crew and listen to me and Charlie talk about Rebels. <sighs> Did I miss anything, guys? I think I got it. Pretty Did much. I nail it? Was, was it great? It. Was it beautiful? Oh, it was, it, yeah. I wow. All right. Well, then, Charles, <laughs> if you can try to save this podcast, uh, let's throw it over to you and talk about... The Rise of Skywalker, Expanded Edition by Ray Carson. Okay, let's do it, guys. So, you know, we're going to open this up the way that we always do with a quick plot synopsis, except no, we're not, because we don't need it. We all saw the movie like 12 times. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you what happens, but we are going to talk all about it, and we need to save as much time as possible, because this may be our first three-parter. We're going to see. Uh, but guys, let's let's do start this the way we actually always do, which is by rating it one to ten. Don't tell me just why yet, but uh, let's hear from Wes first. One to ten, what do you got? I give the expanded edition a eight point nine. Are we doing mm. points? Is points? Yeah, oh, we're doing points. Points, points are fine. Right. We're like All Vegas. Right, we nine. always got the points. Yeah, it's like a mix between Vegas and, like, whose line is it anyway? We don't know what any of this means. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Eric, <laughs> let's yeah. hear it. Uh, I'm going to go an 8.5. I'll be a little more rounded, but I'm also doing the points. 8.5. Okay, Corey? 
I will give the book a seven point eight. Seven point eight. Seven. No, 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 no. Seven point seven. Seven point seven. You feel better about that now? <laughs> I do. I Got that off your chest. <laughs> All right. All right. I great. Did. I did. Um, and I will round us out. I will give it an eight. Straight up eight. Right. I don't play. I don't play that decimal game. Um, eight point zero. <laughs> All right, so awesome. So it sounds like we're actually all pretty much on the same page, um, mm-hmm. but sounds like we can kind of get into some nitty gritty and tell people why they need to either come up or come down a little bit. So we're going to start this out by talking about the characters, but uh, guys, I'm just throwing in the overarching questions right into this part of of this because that's what Chaos Agent, the Rise of Skywalker go. is all about, right? It's just these <laughs> characters. So yeah. you know who we're going to start with? None other then Big Daddy Papa Palps. All right, Woo! we are going to start Big Daddy with Palpatine. That's right. <laughs> because that's one of the first things that we even see in the crawl, right? It's Palpatine is back, so let's just start where One the, of where the, the first starts. things. <laughs> the, the dead first speak. three words, the dead speak. Holy crap. Yes, so Palpatine. Uh, number one, did the return of Palpatine play any better for you guys on the page as opposed to on the screen? It had to. Uh, how are we talking about this? Do you want to talk about this characters as in just like forget about the chronology of the, of the book entirely? Do you want to just talk straight characters like book end to end Palpatines that we're talking here? Yeah, are we talking like the we're going to talk about beginning? all things Palpatine. We're going to talk about how okay. he came back, the new stuff that is in this book that is not in the okay, movie. Okay, we're okay. going to hit it all. So how, how did it, what's, what's the exact question? Did how it did, was it better how in the did book? His return play for you personally in the book as opposed to in the movie. This is this particular conversation is going to be incredibly challenging because we're we're trying to do a lot of things at one time, right? We're talking about the book, right? We're talking about the film, and we're talking about the trilogy. So it's very difficult to put it all together and accept it in this tiny little context context that is just the book. Welcome so, to the to answer your question, <laughs> I know to answer your question in the book, how is Palpatine handled? Please raise the book every time you I say think that. The book is better, uh, better at handling Palpatine than the film was for sure. Like we got a lot of really great explanations. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the one of the one of the la- you know huge spoiler alert, obviously, Matt. If you haven't played the uh, sax the, the sax on clack clack, you haven't played the saxophone. The spoiler saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't played the saxophone, now is the time. Huge spoiler alerts. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. Um, the one of the last scenes in the in the entire book is uh, a basically a page and a half of italicized text. Ray's having a vision of um, Palpatine's fall and how he survived. And my God, that would have taken ten seconds in the movie and would have made a lot of people really happy. So, dude, I, I shall think we? Goes, I was literally planning on reading that page. I kid you. Oh yeah, not. I think we one hundred percent should read the page. Should we just we should do it now and then jump? And no, no. Let's hear from the other guys first. Did did the book work better for you than the movie? Um, I'm gonna jump right on what Corey said and say it's it's that page. It really is. I think that it is. Yeah. Um, a lot a lot of the the things about the film still bothered me in the book, but only because like it's the source material that let's say it's at the top. This book does not change major story events, so if that's why you come to this book, you're gonna be disappointed. But if it's, if you're looking for a little bit more clarification, it definitely does that, and this is a great example of it. That last page and a half literally goes point by point by point 
how Palpatine yep. came back. It makes a ton of sense in Star Wars logic. It's done super yep. well. Ray Carson should be applauded for doing it. And I think, like Corey said, if they had put it in the film, it would have made a lot of people happier. I do wish, that being said, it had happened a little earlier in the novel so that I could have had mm. that going in. But once that happened, retroactively, I'm like, oh, cool. I I am now very much okay with that, which I think is a big purpose of this novelization to the canon as a whole. Yeah. Totally agree. Wes, okay. any thoughts? Yeah, Wes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I echo what all three of you said, but um, I think the movie did a lot. But the with the visual aids and, like, his fingers mm. falling apart and all that, it just it helped to, to see the decrepitness of what is Big Papa mm-hmm. Palps. But you're right. That last page, the last page and a half that we that we read about how he was uh, actually resurrected, if you will, um, really, I guess it really um, set it off for something we were all searching for yeah. throughout the entire. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, let's now, to, to, to hi- sorry, Charles, to, to yeah, hijack yeah. your answer there for just a second. My my one of my buddies asked me this today, and I wanted the opportunity to ask you guys this, and I think now is a perfect opportunity. The visual aids, Wes, you brought that up. I have an interesting question for you guys that I would love to hear your thoughts on before we dive into this too deeply. Do you wish you could have read the book before seeing the film? Yes. No. Ooh. Really, Wes. Hmm. I personally think I would have liked to read the book before I watched the film. I think so. I don't know. I think you'd be pissed off, royally pissed off, that they didn't put that scene in the movie. You read the book, had the, Perhaps. and you'd have mm. an expectation Perhaps. of going point. in to see that, and you'd be like, what? Yeah, yeah I think in, in all of recorded history, it's like, what, The Princess Bride and The Natural are like the two books ever that the movies have been like at mm. least as good, if not better. So I think that naturally it would have been it would have hurt the movie more and i think in by doing it in this order the movie is helped by the book and the book stays neutral the book stays good whereas before the book would be good and the movie would be devastated by it Mm. yeah that's true charles what are your thoughts on palpatine in general and the answer to my question so i think i i I totally get the points y'all are making i think i would have liked having the knowledge of this book going into the movie just because I really do feel like there are so many small additions that just act as like glue in the cra- it's almost like Kylo's mask like it is the it is the reforging of the mask like there are a ton of cracks mm-hmm. in this story and like this book is whatever the Saracian iron or whatever it was that yeah. they used like <laughs> nice. that really is how this that is how this book works for me and I would have loved yeah. to have had some of this knowledge and gone into the movie. And you shouldn't have to do this, to be fair. But, you know, I would have loved to just been like, no, I'm okay with Palpatine being back right out of the gate because I know how he's back. I know why he's back. Now let's just enjoy this blistering, fast movie for the first 15 minutes, you know? Yep. I think we should read it. I think no, we should. If, we should. If, if, I if literally you have, have your, it all right here. If you have your hymnals, turn to page 219. <laughs> <laughs> near Who's going to read it? Eric, you gonna read it? I can read it. Charles, you want to read it? You want me to read it? If you've got it right there, you're the actor, sir. That's right. Oh, read great. It. Start, right. start start at the very top of the the scene. Right. Set the scene for us, if you would, Eric. Show uh, the book so... while you read it. Like <laughs> All right. So, kids. After you read every <laughs> sentence, I want you to turn and then show the audience. Be like. <laughs> All right. So, I will just say Palpatine at this point is 
kind of encouraging Ray to strike him down. He says, and with the stroke of her saber, the Sith are reborn. The Jedi are dead. Wave after wave of triumph emanated from him, and along with it came knowledge, memories. Maybe it was their shared blood that enabled her to see his thoughts, but somehow she could, and Ray saw it then, how he'd done it, what he was about to do again. Falling, falling, falling down a massive shaft, the betrayal sharp and stinging, a figure high above, black-clad and helmeted and shrinking fast. His very own apprentice had turned against him, the way he himself had turned against Plagueis, whose secret to immortality he had stolen. Plagueis had not acted fast enough in his own moment of death, but Sidious, sensing the flickering light in his apprentice, had been ready for years. So the falling, dying emperor called on all the dark power of the Force to thrust his consciousness far, far away to a secret place he had been preparing. His body was dead an empty vessel long before it found the bottom of the shaft, and his mind jolted to a new awareness in a new body, a painful one, a temporary one. It was too soon. The secret place had not completed its preparations. The transfer was imperfect, and the cloned body wasn't enough. Perhaps Plagueis was having the last laugh after all. Maybe his secret remained secret, because Palpatine was trapped in a broken, dying form. The heretics of the Sith Eternal toiled, splicing genes, bolstering tissue, creating unnatural abominations in the hope that one of these strandcasts would succeed and become a worthy receptacle. The heretics would do anything, risk anything, sacrifice anything to create a cradle for their god consciousness. Nothing worked, but their efforts were not entirely in vain. One genetic strandcast lived, thrived even, a not-quite-identical clone, his son. But he was a useless, powerless failure. Palpatine could not even bear to look upon such disappointing ordinariness. The boy's only worth would lay in continuing the bloodline through more natural methods. And it was through that eventual union, unexpected as it was, that Rey was born. The perfect vessel. Strong enough to contain all the power of the Sith. His granddaughter. Mm. Boom. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> it does make a lot of sense. I also want to point out that there is no absolute way in hell that this scene existed before this book. No way. Nope. That's why it wasn't yeah, in the film, because nobody had written it yet. Nope. And I 100% want to give the credit to Ray Carson, because I think that she wrote that. I wish I could ask her, but she probably wouldn't tell us. No, but yeah, no, we, we, can, we, can, we can just give her the credit in our hearts. We know. So what, it, so what are the biggest takeaways from what you just read? I think one... My talented... How- voiceover reading well one del rey <laughs> please contact eric eilerson he is available two palpatine basically did the like darth bane essence transfer yes. right across I mean, the like, galaxy yes yeah like was... not even someone right across from him like bane does yeah like literally which what? i do want to point out is a little bit far-fetched to me a little bit like I know it's Palpatine and he's the most powerful Sith ever, but this whole like like just die and let his Dude, life transfer across this, the galaxy. In this movie is nuts. though, he projects enough lightning to take down an entire fleet of ships. Sorry, does this does this kind of magic not make sense? <laughs> <laughs> no, I get Whatever, magic, just but this saying, is a lot of magic. It almost it almost <laughs> killed it almost killed Luke. <laughs> <laughs> just to project his presence across the galaxy. Oh, yeah, or it did S- kill him. Sidious is, Sidious is more powerful. Well, I think, honestly, <clears throat> what this did to answer your question, Charles, this confirmed, at least in my mind, Sidious is the most powerful Sith that ever lived. 
Yes. Maybe the powerful, most powerful force being that we've I, ever yeah. seen. Period. Yeah. I think that's yeah. true. Yeah. Outside of maybe the father himself, like right, and like, and it Wars, also made me believe trilogy. that we are definitely going to get a lot of EU material. And and before I say this, I do want to admit you should never need EU material to understand a film. That is paramount. Right. That is what we stand for unequivocally. However, <clears throat> this did basically confirm to me we are gonna get EU material about Vader and Palpatine going to Exegol for. Oh, 100%. sure. Oh, I hope so. Maybe, yeah. maybe not Vader. Oh, true. I Vader knew. Did he, had Vader know? Yeah. he had a wayfinder. He had a wayfinder. Way finder. Yeah, I guess that's he hit it on Mustafar. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, so you said, what does this do, Charles? The other thing that it does, like, uh, it conf- also confirms that it's a clone, legitimately it's a clone. A clone. Yes. The body that he had in the film was a clone, which makes sense, and we all yep. suspected that. Um, but it is a clone. <clears throat> it also, I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, guys. I think it legitimately concerned, uh, confirms one of the huge questions we had when we were talking about Palpatine's plan. Why it didn't make sense in our in our uh, Rise of Skywalker episode, it confirms that Ray striking down Palpatine literally would have possessed her with yep. Sidious. Also, right? most I think most so. importantly, you know what it does? <clears throat> it confirms Palpatine didn't have sex. Yes. Yes. yes! That's another big thing. It confirms that he didn't do it. Thank it was a clone. God. Yes, thank God oh. they, they fixed that. And, yeah, that was a huge thing. And it really did confirm that, like, like in the book, Ray struggled with her internal dialogue. Also, books get internal dialogue with, which is amazing and yes, needed, right. honestly. It's very hard for actors to convey really complex plot points. Um, like, yeah. Ray's hey, internal Daisy, dialogue. Here's what's going on with Palpatine. Can you just, like, emote that? But no words, just, like... Make us understand move, Palpatine's move grand plans. You, you get it. With your eyebrows, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Right, so in, in the book, uh, Ray is like, like, I could be Empress. I could just call off all the forces, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if I struck him down, I'm suddenly in charge. And that was our argument, remember? Because we were yep. like, okay, well, why doesn't she just kill him out of anger and then be like, psych, I'm the light side, but right? It's the, same argument, it's yes. the same argument for Luke, though, in the original yeah. trilogy. Yep. And this is right, it. so maybe the, so it pretty much confirms that Palpatine would have literally possessed Ray's body, her perfect body, if Yikes. I will. All right, <laughs> but if yeah, it, it 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 fixes that huge thing again. One page of it's good narration. It fits Star Wars lore. It's using yes. knowledge from Plagueis, from Bane, from all these things. It's not creating anything technically super new. It's just enhancing no. things that already exist, which is brilliant. <clears throat> I and I I'm, agree. Go ahead, Corey. I was I was just gonna say the other thing that that really kind of ties it all in is like Ray being a, a dyad makes her the perfect vessel. Like it really does. That's what I mean by perfect body. I'm not being a pervert. <laughs> like she's the perfect vessel. Like seriously, because she is. Okay, the other force lore thing that was brought up here around this time was talking about like something about how prior to maybe the rule of two. The Sith maybe tried to intentionally create dyads. Did you guys catch that? I I'll find did. the exact paragraph yeah. for you and bring it up to you here in a little bit. But anyway, yeah. But yeah, I think expanding this lore was super cool. And to bring it all the way back around to what you were saying, Charles, with Palpatine, I think this. I I still, on the whole, am <clears throat> not in love with the idea that Palpatine came back. I'm fine with it though. That's what happened. That is the story. This book really helped that process for me. It really helped me be yeah. like, okay, this is this happened, great, this is why it happened, makes sense, all good, thank you. Yeah, and I mean, that's what this book is here to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
But, you know, one other thing that I wanted to bring up just about the cloning in particular, like the fact that he, he like combines so many of these story points. So one, we talked about the essence transfer from the Darth Bane stories that we had back in Legends to mm-hmm. cloning, guys. Like, it was a major plot point. It's how they have the entire clone army that yeah. really was created from mm-hmm. Palpatine. I mean, he's the one that, like, really was behind this being ordered in the first place. Like, he is very familiar with all of these things, and we see them all come together, you know, from yeah, yeah. various things, from old movies, old books, and we see them all married into how he yeah. comes back. I it, think that's it really, It really can be very easily tied together, too, if they do want to – if they want to retcon the shit out of this movie, <laughs> if they really do want to retcon the shit out of it, like it's easy to do. The the, the pieces are there. Like we need some we need some scenes and some books about about the Emperor maybe talking to Vader about his plan all along with the Kaminoans was to perfect their cloning ability or something like that. Yeah. Right? Do we do and, we think that Snoke is a failed clone of Palpatine? That's a good is, question. Is that what he was trying to do? Very possibly. They Did said that there have... were, yeah, I mean, they said there were fa- all these failed clones. Why not? And there's a whole vat yeah. of them, and I still don't understand why there's a vat of them. <clears throat> no, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Visual appeal. Yeah, visual appeal. Retcon. That's why. Retcon. Yeah. <laughs> I go, mean, that was, the, that, was the, that was the point of this book, though, right? Like, that's the one thing we wanted out of this is to make the Palpatine thing make sense, right? Yep. I'm still not okay with Ray. I'm never going to be okay with Ray being a Palpatine, ever, I don't think. We'll like, talk about it. Uh, and yeah. we're going to come back to it. I'm still not happy about that. But I think this makes Palpatine make sense. Now, do yeah. I wish that we had three films and three novelizations that made Palpatine like the villain from the start and like we found out maybe in the second movie? Yeah, of course I wish that. That would have made more sense. But they didn't have a plan. This is what we got. And I think this book fixed that. Like I think it fixed it to a, to a large degree. Absolutely. So you, you think finding out in the second chapter of this trilogy you would have been more accepting of it? Yes, that Palpatine is behind everything, that Snoke was just a puppet. Like, maybe if I would have found that out, like, in the second movie, and, like, there was evidence all along, I just couldn't see it, that kind of thing. Like, I could have appreciated that. So replace Broom Boy with a scene on Exegol, and everything is solved. Not in that exact context, but yes. (laughs) Yes, uh, essentially well, yes. I mean, yeah. Sith, Sidious is the most powerful Sith ever. I can 100% buy that he's back. I've been saying that all along. But it felt shocking. Tell me it didn't. The first three words of this entire film revealed that he was the villain. Oh, yeah, and, and I think it that's the thing is that we can't go back and fix that, but what we can do is with future media make it a little more amenable to the reader, and I think that's mm-hmm. what Ray Carson started here, and I think that's what will happen going forward. Yeah, and I think she did a damn good job of it like a great job like a really 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 good job of making the palpatine stuff make sense like perfect sense to be honest like Absolutely. it explained all the problems that we had with palpatine mm-hmm. the mythology aspect the weird force use aspect is he a clone is he something else what the yep. hell is that machine he's on it explained yep. all of that it named right? it. yeah what was it called oh, yeah Tur- it's an omen harness an omen harness. it's a yeah. sith thing right yeah. like that's all we needed like yeah I can tell yeah. you. I'll tell you a lot of facts about that harness later on when we get Ooh, to some hold of that. On. But, but until Charles, I want you to tell me all about harnesses. But we need to take a quick break. <laughs> so when we come back, we're gonna dive into that. We'll see y'all in a little second. Be right back. Hey guys, Corey here. You may have heard this story before, but I want to tell you how I started Utini. When I was in medical school, I was on my psychiatry rotation, and I had a lot of free time, and I really wanted to find some way to make a little extra money. So I started thinking about all the things that I'm good at, and the really one thing that stood out more than anything is Star Wars books. 
Now, I've read Star Wars books since I was a kid, um, and I've read a lot of them, probably two or three hundred by now, and I've always had trouble explaining to people how to get started in the first place. That's really how Utini was born. We actually physically packed the books into boxes like a subscription box service, and we sold them through our website for a long time, about a year and a half. It was just me and my wife doing it for a long time, and I'll be honest, it was pretty haphazard. But then I went on another podcast, and I had a short little advertisement asking for help. This weird guy, kind of funny voice, he called me. And or at least I guess he responded to my email, and I set up a call with him. He responded almost immediately. Now, when I was on the show, I didn't explicitly ask for a ton of help. I just casually dropped, yeah, I would love some help if you're interested. Shoot me an email, and I gave my email address. And this guy emailed me out of nowhere literally minutes after that podcast went live. That man's name was Eric Eilerson. Now, Eric was the first person to join the team, and shortly after, a long list of folks have come and gone uh, over the years, and now we have grown what we are today. We discontinued the subscription boxes back in January of 2019, but that time in Utini history will always hold a special place in my heart. We kind of treated it like uh, beer breweries do, honestly. We'd have our friends come over, help us pack the boxes, put all that crap in boxes and bookmarks. It was a lot of fun, honestly. Um, I still have some of the stuff laying around. I could probably hook you up if you really wanted to see some of it. We have we had magazines, bookmarks. We had all kinds of crazy stuff in the boxes. It was a ton of fun. Um, Utini has grown to be something that I never really imagined it would. Um, it's huge. It's exciting. It gives me something to do on a daily basis, and honestly, it's a part-time job. Um, I wouldn't trade it, honestly, for anything else. I love it to the end of the earth, and I'm super glad that we are here where we are today. That's about it. That's how I started the company. Let me know if you have any questions. As always, may the Force be with you. And we are back with Rise of Skywalker Harness Talk. Charles, where were we? (laughs) Harness Talk. Okay, so we're talking about Palpatine still. There's another point that Wes specifically just brought up right before we pushed live that I think we should talk about, and that's Palpatine's son. Let's talk about exactly what he is, because we we didn't know, right? We thought he may have been, like, more or less a, a natural son or a biological uh-huh. son, and now we find a out sex that he son. is... That's what you're trying to say, Charles. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Bastard child, hashtag, hashtag sex son. And <laughs> yep, that's it. Now we know that he more or less was another one of these failed clones. I will say that he appears to be a massive improvement on Snoke, if Snoke was also a failed <laughs> clone. Like, they made some pretty good tweaks there in between those but two. But Snoke has power. Snoke has power, though. That's true. Um, so power, yeah, are... face like a nutsack. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? If you just put a cool hat on, then you're fine. It's fine. It's fine. Everyone's only looking at the hat. Yeah, um, you can walk through the city like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did in that movie with trench coats <laughs> and hats. People are like, oh, that's, those are people. Those are people. No big deal. Wait, so, Wes, we're, we're, you mean that talking... movie? Do you mean just the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Like, uh, implying they were in more movies? <laughs> one and two. Uh, valid. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are talking about the Kylo Ren comic that had... Snoke, in case you haven't seen it, you have to look this up. The first shot of Snoke in the Kylo Ren comic, he's got this weird, like, Santa Claus hat on, and he's in, like, pajamas. It's so weird. Like Last a sultry... episode, we covered it extensively. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Listen to that episode. 
So uh, let's talk about his son. I mean, what are your yeah. thoughts learning that he w- it was basically a clone that failed and somehow ended up with no powers? Uh, I mean, how did that hit you? I can kind of buy it. Uh, I mean, it feels a little bit like a retcon. Like, it doesn't feel as quote-unquote pure maybe as like uh, Boba Fett did, for example. Like, you know, the whole, you know, one son that's natural kind of thing is not really a new premise of Star Wars because we had Boba Fett and Attack of the Clones, right? Like, mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know. It felt a little retcon to me. I don't know what you guys thought. I like it for future storytelling, you know? And I think that's how I see a lot of things. Like, how could this affect the future of Star Wars books? Because I feel like lately, especially, I'm always kind of looking ahead. So I'm excited for this guy's stories. Like, the imperfect clone that's always on the run from his creator. That's a cool storyline. Yeah, Yeah. it might be good. It might Uh, be cool. The Island. The Island. Oh, my God, yeah. The Ewan McGregor movie. (laughs) If you haven't seen that, you should go watch it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did someone sneak him off? Or, oh, ooh. Did, is is his wife Ray's mom one of the Sith Eternal that was raised in Exegol? They fell in love mm-hmm. and then escaped together. Yeah, Good we don't know. I don't know. Lost but, stars, but too. yeah, I th- I think <laughs> it makes sense though, right? That I mean, Palpatine really does some some perverted things with the Force, like him trying to yeah. create a perfect clone of himself. Like, of course, of course, we know the Force is is all about balance. It's going to be like no. Mm-mm, can't do that. So <laughs> nope. you can have this son yeah. who doesn't look like Snoke. You're welcome. Uh, yes. But he can't have your power. Like, that's yeah, not a now, thing. Now, the concept, I don't know if you guys know this, the concept of, of clones not being able to use the Force properly is not a new idea. That was very big deal in Legends. There was a whole bunch, there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes off a cr- bunch of times. Like, it's it's uh, it's subtle comments here and there. It's, like, main plot points of some of the books of, like, mm-hmm. like the Emperor tried to make a lot of clones of, like, Sith, like, not Sith, but, like, Dark Jedi copy, like, Force mm-hmm. users in Legends. So... Like I don't, I'm glad that they kept that around. That like it's not as easy as just you know you have a you have a clone and he can use the force. Like it's kind of complicated, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think I mean literally, as far as this novelization itself is concerned, with one sentence or two sentences, I think Carson made this entire storyline pretty feasible and opened up a lot of doors for a lot of authors in the future. Yes. Now and now, while we're talking about. Uh, while we're talking about the son and the parents and Ray, a little tiny offshoot that I really appreciated that I literally read yesterday and noticed, and I've told like four people today about it, the dagger. You guys remember how much problems I had with the dagger? I do. <laughs> how yep. stupid it was? It was like, what do you mean C-3PO has the coordinates? Like, what? How did she just happen to be standing in the right place to hold the dagger mm-hmm. up to the Death Star, right? So in the book, it clarifies that the coordinates of C-3PO weren't just to the planet. It was to the exact place you had to stand on the planet <laughs> and hold yeah. the dagger up i was like oh okay that makes perfect sense why didn't they just have that in the movie yep yeah <laughs> totally I really, it then, was like it was two sentences in the yeah. book and, it, and I was she just added like, that like sith uh would always would engrave things on objects and locations on weapons i'm like great the, yep all right totally plausible it. thank you for retconning <laughs> a tiny little issue that was a dumb yep. little plot hole and that was really nice done perfectly yes yeah no agreed i i mean that's the case for so many things in this book it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, there were so many times that was my response to something. Yes, you know? mm-hmm. yes, but yeah, which is which is what we needed. I mean, we didn't mm-hmm. need that. There were a lot of really small issues that we had with the book that, or with the with the film that the book we were hoping would correct, and it didn't just stick to the script, which is what we were afraid it was going to do. Right. Um, and and it looks like she they did give they did give uh, Carson a, a good deal of free will with this, which is good. Absolutely. Yeah. 
All right, well, let's move on from Big Daddy Papa Palps, and let's talk about General Leia Organa. Mm -hmm. Arguably, I think the extra Leia content in this novel was some of the most important. I know we just said so many good things about the Palpatine stuff, but I think this may have been even more so, because it basically took away the problem that you have to admit that the movie had and that it couldn't do all of this Leia content. They just didn't have the footage. And that's that's at no fault of their own, but it it does so much for the story. So, I mean, for y'all, what were your thoughts on a lot of this additional Leia content? And I'll give you some specific quotes I want you to hit, but just overall, how did it hit you? Overall, tremendous. Overall, such a great idea one to start the book literally with leia and ray great idea yeah and then for every scene to just enhance her part even more now i understood Mm -hmm. why connix was leading her away to bed now i understood why what she was doing with ben when she called to him through the force now like now now i understand every little thing that they thought was like oh people will get it and us star wars freaking nerds were confused now i actually understand all those little beats and I can hear her voice a little bit. The only downside I have with that, though, I'll admit, is Ray Carson's dialogue is so good. And it's always been a, a, a strength of hers, from Most Wanted to her short stories to everything. She is a real master of dialogue, I think. Whenever she would have to use film dialogue for Leia, it took me out. Because <laughs> I'm like, did. You, could tell, like that you could tell when it switched. Yeah, yeah, which is unfortunate. I, I can 100% tell what and, it was. And I which think... I, almost, I almost wish they wouldn't have done it all. Like, I almost wish yeah. they would, she would have just rewritten the dialogue entirely. It would have been fine. But, yeah, and, and, I, yeah. and I have two minds about that. I think, uh, one, yeah, I would have loved that. More Revenge of the Sith-ish, where they just totally went off script. But two, uh, as I want to heap all the praise on Ray Carson that I can for writing this book tremendously, because I think she did. Yeah. But I do think that is part of the writer's job of a novelization to Absolutely. seamlessly put the film dialogue in with the new stuff, and I think that she slightly missed that. Yeah, I mean, I'll echo all that too. Like, the, Leia was probably one of the second, maybe the second biggest improvements uh, with the with the book for me. Um, mm-hmm. Like. So uh, we, you know, there are a couple of folks talking in our comics that are talking about they haven't read the book, so it's good to clarify some of these things. We we get a lot of, of internal dialogue with Leia mm-hmm. in this book, and I think the most striking thing that we get in the book is Ray and Luke talk to each other, okay? Yes! Luke is talking to Leia from, like, beyond the grave, essentially, right? And, yep. like, he is basically calling her, saying it's time. It's time to come and become one with yeah. the Force. And she's like, no, my job is not finished here. And that stuff was awesome. Yeah, oh, my yeah. God, I absolutely loved that. I that almost wish... Go ahead. I really do wish that I, th- I do wish that that could have been in the film. Like, so maybe maybe Leo didn't talk back to him, but it maybe just had you know Mark Hamill's voice or something. But well, well, that was I, one of I the thought big it was fantastic that we had with the film was that you know that oh when Luke says because you're a Palpatine, he's like Leia knew too, and it's like how in the world did Leia know because he and Leia yeah, didn't, didn't speak. Sense. But now we're like oh because Luke has been talking with Leia this entire time <clears throat> mm-hmm. and they have a connection which again logically you think about it for 4 seconds it's like oh of course he does. Right. Of but we're morons so but... we don't do that. We're just like ah movies are stupid. Yeah. Yeah, everybody <laughs> does that, right? Taking the couple seconds to write it out is like oh yes now I love mm-hmm. that and it strengthens the bond between Luke and Leia even more which I think is also very important. It does. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. A whole new meaning to twin telepathy, you know. Yeah. But um, no, I, I thought it was a really bold move, too, to open this book up with, like, I'm not going to look. Bold move, like, Cotton. More... We'll see how it plays out for him. <laughs> well, it, it played <laughs> off well. 
because doing like 15 pages or something of like borderline new material with Leia and Ray yeah. that came before <laughs> the Ray floating scene in the movie was like mm-hmm. holy yeah. smokes this, yeah. like, this is how we're opening yeah. it was huge training montage i thought it was really fantastic yeah yeah, yeah. and it it's was. a lot of trust in, in the author by by Del Rey as well i think that you know i i don't think this was an easy process uh for them to one, you don't want to put too much new stuff in because you don't want to feel like you're caving and not believing in your final product. But at the same time, you want to give the author enough leeway so they can write naturally. So I, I think that right. all the parties involved out of a really hard situation ended up producing something that kind of miraculously checked every box they needed to, especially in the beginning. Yeah. So let's hit some specific quotes because I want to get y'all's takes on these. Page 52 is the first one I have, and it's Leia basically thinking about Rey, and she says, Luke had warned her that the master Padawan bond was strong, but he hadn't warned her that she might come to see her apprentice as the daughter she'd never had. So is this how y'all viewed their relationship in the film? Um, You know, what about after all the extra content that you got in this novel? Did that change how you viewed their relationship at all? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean... I don't feel like we got enough Ray and Leia in the films because it was impossible to do that. So agreed. I don't. I don't really know if if I think I can. I think I can comfortably say that I did not feel like they had a daughter mother relationship really. So I know it was kind of implied, but I didn't feel it. And not in the film. Yeah, I, I I agree. I I think that that it's a little bit of a stretch. Now then again, you know, in times of conflict, in times of trial, you you form relationships a lot faster than you do outside of them. So I can I can buy it a bit. Ray's never kind of had that motherly figure. Um, Leia lost a child. Like there, a lot of those external circumstances definitely could have accelerated that relationship structure. But for the pure material that we got from my point of view, again, not being a mother, not being a daughter, like not quite knowing what that's like, I maybe needed a bit more. But this book definitely did more than the films did. Like I think that's that's for sure. That's pretty obvious. Yeah, hundred percent. I thought it was interesting because uh, you y'all probably don't remember this, but back when we reviewed Resistance Reborn, I said specifically the scene where where Ray brings tea to Leia and they're sitting there and they're talking about Ben yeah, that it felt like one. a grandmother and a granddaughter, and <coughs> yeah. then we kind of had this here. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, they are. Um, I think that the EU definitely does love the two of them together a lot, it does. and and they have the power to do it. So by all means, yeah, yeah. Now, let me hit you with a quote from page 187, and this is when Ray is just thinking to herself, maybe of all of them, Leia was unturnable. So despite the fact that I'm pretty sure that unturnable is not a word, what did you think about the sentiment of this comment? Do you think that Leia may truly have been unturnable? I think so. Hmm. I you think do. she had the I think she had the truest heart of anybody in the original trilogy. I really do. I mean, she was just so focused and like she had failures, but she was incredibly focused on what mattered. And I don't think she could have been turned. I think she would have died before anybody would have ever turned her. I love the idea of Leia being unturnable. Um because she's kinda of, she is one of the strongest characters we've seen in, in the whole saga that's been continuous. She is She's stubborn, she is intelligent, she is steadfast, she is compassionate, and I, I don't think anyone is truly unturnable. I mean, I think that 
by the nature of the dark side itself, anyone can kind of have their limit. Mm-hmm. But I do love the idea that Luke thought she was, and that Ray thought she was, and that she held that esteem for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's almost more important in a way. I mean, you know what I mean? Leia let Tarkin kill everybody she loves in her entire family, her, her entire planet. How'd she let him? No, she, she gave up Dantooine. Yeah, but they were. It was old. That was old intelligence. That wasn't real intelligence. Like, he was she gonna still... blow up Alderaan no matter what. Wow, so. he no, she, she let him do it. She did. She let him do it. One hundred percent. Oh wow, she All right. did. All right, she did. Well. She was so shocked in that film. She was so shocked when he was gonna do it anyway. But whenever he wow. But whenever <laughs> he said the hottest thing in this podcast. No, whenever he said that he was going to blow up Alderaan, though, and we're really taking a hard left here, but she's like actively, <laughs> she's being held back, and she's like fighting against people, like trying to stop him. Yeah, I know. But even then, she didn't give him a real, the real base. She Guys, if, if Corey base. had if she been there, the he real base, he would have blown up that base, and a bunch of people would have died anyway. And Alderaan still would have gotten destroyed so fast. I would have been like, "Oh yeah, Charles, this is where he lives. Here's his address. <laughs> Eric, screw that guy. Blow up all of Chicago." You think Tarkin wouldn't have blown up Alderaan no matter what she said? I, I don't know, and I don't think she knew that either. This is the biggest takeaway from this episode. It doesn't <laughs> matter what else we say. Okay. It's a good sentiment. It's a good sentiment. Let's let's see if YouTube will ban us again, because I have a long (laughs) passage that I want to talk about from page 171. And Eric, if you would like to be the designated reader, sir, you can take it away. Otherwise, I I have it here. So I don't want to put you on the the, spot. But 171. What's the passage you want? uh, I would like you to start reading on page 171 from She Flashed Back. Mm -hmm. Uh, She what? Oh, yeah. And, All right, until and I, when? I want you to take that through until she calls out, basically. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're all going all right. to jail, guys. <laughs> so Leia and Luke are, are, are kind of in this, this conversation right now, and she says, She flashed back to holding her tiny son in her arms, his black hair still wet with birth, the way he'd cried all the time in those early months, but settled whenever he sensed that she or Han or Chewie was near. His first steps. His first word. The first time he'd sent a toy flying across the room with the power of the force calling on his tiny toddler rage. I never gave up hope for him, she said. Tell him, said Luke. With his words came a rush of knowledge and a vision memory of Luke sitting cross-legged atop a cliff of Octo, shaking with effort as he projected himself onto the battle at Crate. The effort to reach Ben would take everything she had left. She couldn't do it. It would be her ultimate failure to leave behind everyone she loved, everything she'd worked for. Leia had to stay. She had to continue fanning the tiny flame of hope or the resistance would die. Her thumb went back and forth across the cool face of Han's medal. Her head had been so full of hope then, after their first big victory against the Empire. Giving these medals to Luke and Han had been more than a public celebration. They'd been a symbolic awarding of leadership. She'd shared the burden ever since that day. She sighed with a heavy realization. She'd had it backward. Letting go wasn't giving up. It was the ultimate act of hope. Hope for her protégés, Ray and Poe. Faith in the lessons she'd taught them. The last thing they would learn from her was how to go on without her, thus finally embracing their own destinies as leaders. Bail Organa had been the one to teach her that. Her adopted father had trusted her to find Obi-Wan Kenobi and save the rebellion when she was just a young woman with less experience than any of them. 
Leia, Luke prompted. If Vader could become Anakin again, Kylo Ren could become Ben. Her son was tempted by the light. She could sense it. But even if he never turned back the way Anakin had, she still loved him and her legacy was secure. She was Leia Skywalker Organa Solo. And she caressed Hans, as she caressed Han's medal, she fully embraced all of the, those inheritances. And she would pass them all on to the next generation. Her Skywalker legacy would go to Rey, Organa to Poe, and she would try one last time to pass her solo legacy to her son. So that's how it would be. A final act of hope, and then she would rest. She reached to the forest, let it surround her, fill her. She thought the effort would exhaust her, but she felt a momentary rush of strength and energy as she connected with every living thing. She reached deeper, and then deeper still. With all the life and love and hope and forgiveness in her being, she called out, Ben. Mm. Mm. Wow. Wow. This, so, is, this, this, is, this is my favorite passage in this yeah, entire book. I think it's the best one. And I think it is too. Again, we because we get this internal dialogue, because we get these small additions, like actually flashbacks of Ben as a child, uh, hearing Luke prompting her, like these little things added so much and made this scene so much more touching than what we actually got in the movie. And actually, the movie's pretty touching. This part it is, but it was, this the best, is, it was the best scene in the movie. It was, yeah, but this <laughs> yeah. was even more so. Yeah. Um. And so, as far as um, some other things, so this scene made me realize that the idea of choosing your legacy essentially did not really start in the Rise of Skywalker. Whenever Rey takes the name Skywalker at the end of the film, it started with Leia. Yeah, in this passage, and I I, I love that part of it. Yeah, yeah, when she says Leia Skywalker Organa Solo, so you can argue that yeah, she has more legitimacy to all of those legacies, right? So Skywalker is actually her bloodline. Organa is her adopted family, and Solo is her married name, essentially. But I mean, she chose all of those legacies and viewed a name as equivalent to a legacy, and chose to accept it and chose to carry it on. So what are y'all's thoughts on that uh, with, with what Ray does in this story as well? I, mean, I think it, speak, it really speaks to the whole like, premise of this entirely, of like, the entire premise of Ray being a Skywalker, right? Like, Rey, I mean, like Leia naming her legacies excuse me, speaks to the fact that that's what Ray chose to just do at the end, right? So I don't – I think it – it it really sort of sets the the stage for that in a lot of ways. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I, I agree. I, I actually think that I really like the idea of splitting the legacy around to so many different people. You know what I mean? Like realizing that Leia contains so many multitudes, um, and like realizing that I do have all these different parts of my life that I can attribute to the next generation. And that, you know, Ray doesn't have to carry everything on her shoulders, nor does Poe, nor does Ben. Like, they can all kind of share in this legacy of this amazing woman. And it also really lets us know, like, how important she's been to so many people. And I think just just that way of Carson, like, attributing the name to the person, the name to the person, the name to the person, was a lot more emotionally impactful than I had thought about it. Yeah, so what is, in your mind, what is the Skywalker legacy? Like, what is being passed on to Rey? That's What's a being... good question. Ooh. 
I think what it means, I think, weirdly enough, I think it, it kind of goes back a little to what we wanted in the first place about maybe, like, Skywalker becoming more of a title than an actual family name. Mm-hmm. I think it's accepting, honestly, the legacy of the Jedi, which is how she ends the film, is saying, I am all the Jedi. It's like, that's what a Skywalker really is, is someone that is chosen by the Force to carry on the legacy of all the Force users. And I think that's what Anakin accidentally did. That's what Luke accidentally did. And that's now what Ray is actively choosing to do. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. That's a good point. Again, didn't have to write a lot. <laughs> didn't yeah. have to put too much in. But even that little bit really helps out. So, you know, then my last kind of thought about this is, Eric, there was a little bit after what you read when Leia actually does die. And it says that she was vaguely aware of Han's metal clattering to the floor, a whir of sadness from R2-D2, and finally, a surge of welcome from Luke, who was not alone. And that's where the scene ends. And I'm curious. I'm curious as to how y'all took that last bit there. What do you think was implied with Luke, who was not alone? I think it's all the Jedi. Yeah. Am I wrong about like? Is there? That's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I th- I I imagine it's the, you know, their their version of Force Heaven or whatever it might be. Like, yes. it, it's it's all of them kind of spread. It's Yoda. It's Qui Gon. It's Anakin. It's mm-hmm. you know all the oh High God. Republic Qui-Gon people are gonna there. be. Twygon's there, man. Oh my god. Twygon's everywhere awesome, I think. I think that's that's the rule here. Um but every Jedi that's kind of hit that that level of force ghostness. Mhm. Um and I, but I think that's a way that's a much more beautiful way to say it of Luke was not alone because it lets your imagination kind of build that grouping. Whereas I think a lesser writer could have literally tried to list everyone that's there because then that opens you up to well where's blah blah blah? What about blah, blah, blah? <laughs> um, so I think she did it really nicely. Yes, yeah, I totally agree. <clears throat> okay, awesome. Well, any final thoughts on Leia before we move on to one of her three protégés? Uh, she good. She good. She no, good. No, but yeah, this, this <laughs> not, I, I think that I, I hope this is a unique media experience where we never have to deal with losing an actor – so publicly before they can yeah. are doing a film that cannot be recast and like that it's obviously tragic i think the film did what they could but i'm so grateful that they let ray carson write as much additional content as she as she did because i think this gives leia the send-off that carrie really deserved a little more than the film did i agree and yeah. the book actually helped people stop thinking about piecing together scenes from the force awakens so as you, yeah, because as they yeah. watched the Rise of Skywalker, they were just thinking of the parts where this was in the Force Awakens. You're like, where was that at? Where was that at? And they weren't even taking in the story itself. Yeah, so that's where I was. Like, where was this B-roll from? Because you you can't escape knowing it. Right. Whereas a book, you're not looking at it. Right. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Proper send off for Leia. I like it. Now mm-hmm. let's get to talking about some Poe Dameron. Um. Honestly, oh, there's let's. not as much to talk about with him because we, we didn't get very much extra Poe content in this novelization. It, it really was pretty much what we got in the movie. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of that was actually because we got so much of his story and what we needed to see him progress through in Resistance Reborn. And right, so I think right. as as readers, as active readers of all Star Wars written content, we uniquely got this additional journey for Poe. We got a lot more of a fulfilling, I think, end to his journey. So did you all find yourselves falling back on Poe's story from Resistance Reborn, or did you find yourself thinking back on it, using it to kind of qualify the things that oh, you yeah. saw in this story? Yeah, well, I did 100%. Like, I, I can't, I mean, I, I felt like, even when reading Resistance Reborn, I felt like it was going to truly set up his character, and I don't see how you can look at Poe without thinking at that anymore, personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because agreed. We had, see, we had to see him grow like a leader in that book, and that's exactly where he opened into this film. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's a little unfortunate, but I think that a lot of Poe's dialogue in the film is very much like snappy back and forth. And mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. that dialogue works as well in print because you're not seeing the little micro expressions. You're not kind of hearing mm-hmm. them zing back and forth. So I weirdly think that Poe may have been a character that suffered a bit in this novelization. Cause yeah. you didn't get that much added, but the stuff that was in the movie played for comedy and played for like, him putting on his glow rod with the lightsaber, you can write that, exactly. but unless you see that happen visually, it's a visual gag. So I think yeah. that was a bit tough. Yeah, 100%. I think that's almost how Poe's character started, was with the little quips, you know, and the and the cool yep. sayings. And then he progressed a lot in The Last Jedi. And then he almost kind of regressed back to that in The Rise of Skywalker. But, you know, be that as it may... There's one quote here that I wanted to talk about from page 182, and it's basically when Poe takes over the resistance um, after Leia has passed away. And it says, he'd made terrible mistakes, gotten so many people killed. He thought he'd have more time to learn, to atone for what he'd done. What what had she been thinking, naming him acting general? He thought he was past this. She told him as much, but maybe forgiving yourself was a longer, harder process than a fellow realized. What do you think about that? I mean, he's clearly still this passage to me just entirely is talking about his his journey in Resistance Reborn. He still has not forgiven himself here. Mhm. No, 100%. Yeah, I think that it 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 gives him a little more of that vulnerability and again, if you read Resistance Reborn, I could see getting a little like really dude like, I thought we learned this, and I think that's that's one of Poe's slight weaknesses in this um, film as a whole, is that it, it kind of resets Poe back t- to where he was almost at the beginning of Last Jedi. Like, I don't know how to lead, whereas that book was all about him learning how to lead, and mm-hmm. Resistance Reborn was all about him learning how to lead. And in this one, he's like, can I lead or not? So I think that was <laughs> a bit redundant, but I think that the passages were well-written enough that they're a little easier to accept, but... I know. I, I kind of. I do kind of wish we would have seen Poe as like. I don't know. Ready? Because he spent two movies getting ready and an entire novel getting ready. So I was kind of ready for him to just be totally competent and be like, "Yep, I have trained for this. I'm doing it. I'm a general." All right. So moving on from Poe, I do want to talk about one more big time character who unfortunately did not get any of Leia's three legacies she only had three so this was the odd man out i guess uh but i want to talk about finn uh yeah let's, so let's talk about the him finn. because you know i think this book really did help him 
a lot as well. And really the biggest development from this story that we got about Finn was that he was discovering that he was somehow Force-sensitive. And I'm going to be real with you guys. I think we may have touched on this in our three-hour review. We probably did because we touched on everything in that three hours. Um, (laughs) I didn't even understand that that was a subplot when I first watched this film. I walked out of the first viewing and I was like, I had no idea. I didn't get it. It didn't didn't occur to me. Same boat. And. I am yeah. I am honestly cuz that's that's clearly what it is now, right? That and that has been established by multiple people outside like that this was the intention. I yeah. am baffled by the fact that Ray Carson I would assume either didn't write or wasn't allowed to write that explicitly at the end of the book. Like they're still yeah. being coy about yeah. it. I know yeah, there was be, I, I was specifically what? <laughs> had that thought last night like at the very end when when Finn finally tells Ray like um what what does he say? He says something like, "Oh, says, oh I have something to oh, tell you." Implied. And she's like, "Oh, I know." Like, yeah. and then pose like, "We, we all know. I don't either." Like, <laughs> say it. Knows. Just we don't say know. it. <laughs> I know exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I get that it's implied, but I agree. I kind of wish it would have been a little more explicit. But did it work better? So they still never explicitly said it in the book. You're right. But did it work better for you? Like, was the plot point itself easier for you to pick up? Yeah, yes. I thought it was. There's yeah, a lot absolutely. of internal dialogue with Finn being like. He's always understood something was there, kind of. Yeah, and he had this feeling, couldn't explain how, but there was this feeling pulling him, and, like, yeah, a lot of that stuff that I think they assumed they were doing in the movie uh, actually did get written out a little more. Like, I I, I legitimately think that Ray Carson wasn't allowed to write, again, all conjecture, none of this is based in fact. I don't think she was allowed to write that line of dialogue straight up, so I think she peppered in as much as she possibly could. Yeah, and to be fair, in the movie, there is some pretty, like, point-blank stuff. Like, when Ray dies and Finn is nowhere near there and he, like, stops. I think he's, like, in the Falcon and he stops yeah. and he's just, like, Ray. And, like, somehow it, it, there's just so much going on at that point in the movie that, like, it doesn't – it's just not as clear, I think, as it could be. But here yep. in the book, we we got an interesting bit on page 98 about Finn, and it says, The strangest thing happened. In yearning to help her, talking about Ray, in reaching for her, he sensed something, a danger, a presence. It's Ren, he whispered. And that's like such a cool moment because this is still when Ren is across the desert in his his tie. Or tie whisper, yeah. No one could possibly know it's him and he senses it. And I felt like that moment, which which is in the movie, just plays so much better here in the book. Totally um, agree. Yeah. Also, I, I didn't feel like uh, I didn't feel like Finn was just yelling Ray the whole book. Yeah. He, like everybody joked that that was an issue. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, you got to say something. Yeah, so basically, be, Finn is like Finn is like here, and then he goes, oh, "It's Ren," <laughs> and then Ren is just going. <laughs> so Eric, for anyone that's listening later on, is reenacting the scene with his funk pop Funko Pops, which. I'm just going to say right now, YouTube's going to pull us again for playing actual clips from the movie. Um, <laughs> it's, the realism is uncanny. I, I don't but, think that falls under fair use. <laughs> it's Ren. I want one of these for every, every review now. <laughs> All right, um, great. We will. From now on. No, but I, overall, I think it played a lot better. And, and I think that we can be very sure that that is what they're trying to say without actually saying it. Like Finn yep. is is force sensitive to some degree. Yeah. It may be it may be in the same degree that we learned that the Knights of Ren are sensitive and that like right. they have you know they don't just have full use of the force like any kind of Jedi. But 
It could be something like that. They can like touch the force. They can acknowledge it, you know, force attuned as opposed to like actual warriors and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what yeah. I was going to ask you guys. I don't know if it came up during the original Rise of Skywalker review. Is it too much that we have all of our main characters or most of the main characters force sensitive? They, no, this is Star Wars, baby. Yeah, Everybody mean, uses the Force. It, <laughs> but now that there's different uh, levels, I definitely, of it. I definitely see where you're coming from. If they would have been, if they, if it would have been really in your face, maybe because yeah. I mean, do you remember? Remember, we all thought like with the Force Awakens, we all wondered if Finn was going to be the Jedi character. Remember, right? The they put him. Well, he the had the lightsaber on the posters. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. So like. I don't know. I mean, it fits. I think it fits Finn's character that he might be force sensitive. And I kind of like that he wasn't like using the force. Like, can you imagine maybe if in the film they had him like reach across and like catch a blaster or like pull oh, a blaster yeah. to his hand? Yeah. That would be stupid. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't yeah. have worked. Exactly. So may- maybe it works because it's so subtle, but mm-hmm. I can definitely see the angle you're coming from a little bit. Because they also have, uh, if you read the, is it Shattered Empire? The, the, the Journey to the Force Awakens comic with Poe's parents. I don't know if you guys ever read that back in the day, but but it confirmed that they had a a, a tree that was like force sensitive from Yavin, mm-hmm. I think, or something like that, that they planted, and Poe grew up next to it and was born next to it. So being around that tree for his entire childhood made him like made his reflexes a bit faster. Like they weren't Anakin Jedi level, but he definitely had some force. Nudge yeah, tree, some, some tree pheromones, <laughs> tree force pheromones. You guys realize I'm so Smoking glad we all love Star Wars. This, dude, I'm so glad we all love Star Wars the same amount. Because if I'm like, guys, this character I love grew up next to a magic tree, and now he can fly a spaceship faster. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Yeah, Corey, is this not too magic for you? The magic tree. <laughs> it's, it's not too magic. Not too magic. Not too magic. Yeah, Hashtag not too but, magic. But no, that the prequel to The Rise of Skywalker, uh, The Giving Tree, I know exactly the book you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, it's <laughs> childhood favorite. <laughs> it, took, it took me a second. <laughs> yes. um, no, yeah. I think that's a, I, so a great one, question. One more, one more thing I do want to bring up really fast about about the clarification that, that um, Finn is force-sensitive was also mm-hmm. the clarification that Janna is not obviously Lando's daughter. Yes! Yeah. A phenomenal yeah. clarification. Yes, so in in the book it doesn't explicitly say like you're not my daughter, but there's a little bit longer of a of scenes between Lando and and Janna yep. to where like to where like I feel like it takes from the mystery way. Like if they came out and said like later on like yeah, she finds out through a whole bunch of convoluted story that she is in fact his daughter. Yeah, okay, that's fine, but it wasn't like obviously that he knew it was her daughter, it was his daughter and she kind of new inside like that was gone from the book i felt like yeah it was definitely i definitely felt that he was seeing janna as like an opportunity to make up for the fact that he lost his daughter which was very nice yes and uh because yeah. yeah i remember that was another thing you know we, we suddenly broken records at this point a lot of issues that we had in our big film review podcast are being helped by this book which is exactly what we hoped would happen and i think unfortunately the burden that was laid at ray carson's feet and whether she liked it or not that job seemed to have been pretty well done agreed yeah you know the the other thing that i think it kind of does is it kind of calls back a little bit to the idea that we thought that we were getting out of the last jedi where like anyone really can be a force user because i mean we don't really know finn's backstory but like he essentially is a nobody as well Right, yeah. and we right. see him actually having force sensitivity as well. 
Maybe um, he'll also though... decide to be a Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, he could be. He could be. Man. Yeah. I'm so sorry, speaking, <laughs> speaking of, on page 183, I want to talk about why Finn runs runs around and just yells Ray for three movies. So it <laughs> says, no one quite understood his single-minded devotion to Ray, except maybe Leia. Even Rose, though she accepted it, thought it was a bit strange. But it wasn't strange at all. Ray was Finn's friend, yes, but she was also important. He sensed it. It was the same undeniable feeling he told Janna about. If anything happened to Ray, the resistance didn't stand a chance. Yep. Do you think there's some kind of, like, I don't know. Is the force involved in this friendship, in this pairing? Like, is, is, hmm. is there something more to this than just a genuine friendship? Is the force involved? I mean, we're meant to we're meant to kind of understand that the that there's a sense of sort of and I hire deity sort of everything happens for a reason kind of concept in star Wars. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, like when Janna tells the biggest evidence of this in the film is when Janna tells Finn that they all decided to mutiny at the same time. And like Finn, like fills in her words for her and he's like a feeling and she's like, yes. And he's like, that's the force. And it's like, like, how could that have possibly happened if it wasn't sort of quote unquote meant to be, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, does that make sense? Does that, it does. Is that true, yeah. too? Is there sort of that feeling of meant to be kind of in Star Wars? Does that make sense? As far as I understand, absolutely. And I th- and I think they even say, like, the Force brought us together. You know, that, that it's... Mm-hmm. it's You say, may the Force be with you, because it is a little bit of that religious text of, like, there is some sort of energy field that is controlling events, that is that is maintaining balance no matter what. So, mm-hmm. what now, now, to your point, Charles, whether that means that Finn and Ray became like best friends uh, because of the force. I don't know that. I think there is probably still a little bit of, you know, friendship is friendship and they got along and carry each other because of the trials they faced and because of who they are. But mm-hmm. perhaps they're meeting like the, the fact that he just happened to crash near Nima outpost. That's probably the force, whether it's, you know, all those kind of events, I think were nudged probably possibly by fate, by the force, by the wills, whatever, you, what have you. But as far as the actual friendship itself, I'd like to give them a little more credit. But that might just be also personally what I want to do, whether or not that's yeah. true. Shying away from predestination. <laughs> yeah, exactly. okay. I want to give a little bit of free will Fair in all enough. this. Fair enough. Um, but I think really what Corey was saying is that maybe there there's a force triad instead of a force dyad. Maybe it's Finn, Ray, and Ben Solo. Is that or I, am I paraphrasing too much there, Corey? Uh, I don't know if it's that that important. Finn's I'm around. Of he comes around. <laughs> he comes He's over. He's a guy night. that's also there and does things. Yes. All right. <laughs> Pure conjecture. Let's round it out. Where do you see Finn going from here then? Does Ooh. he start trying to use the force? Does he have that ability? Does he just have feelings through the force? Could he have premonitions? Is he the next Jedi? What what is gonna happen with Finn? And will we see it? I don't know. I don't know that we will. I don't know that I can confidently say that we will ever see anything with these characters after these films. Because I have this overwhelming sense right now <clears throat> that Char- that. Disney kind of wants to be done with the trilogy for a while. They want to be done with the controversy surrounding this. They want to be done with 
these characters that they created both because of the controversy and because there's been a sense of closure. So I still think that we're probably going to be done with this era for a while. So I don't know. It's really hard to say for me. I mean, I think it might literally follow the Legends model of, like, what? Um, the Thrawn trilogy came out in 91, 92, right? Originally? Yes. So that ish. was like eight, nine years after Return of the Jedi. So I think that we might get that level of time and then be like, all right, now let's find out what happens. Uh, but I think that'll yeah. be after High Republic stuff, after a bunch of stuff happens like that. That all being said, as far as Finn specifically, I don't think he's going to be like a Padawan, like training with Rey. I don't think that's his style. I don't think he wants to necessarily do that. I do think that I he wants to maybe continue either helping militarily with Poe or maybe helping kind of guide whatever this new new Republic is going to be. I think that he stays in those areas or maybe he joins Janna and Lando and helps like liberate more kids. And maybe like that's his legacy is trying to liberate slaves and do that kind of thing. Uh, but I don't think he becomes another Jedi. I think maybe he trains with Rey every once in a while, like meditates to kind of hone his skills, but I don't see him giving over to that kind of life. Yeah. Fair enough. I would like to see it at some point, but maybe 10 years from now. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's really well, hard maybe, to say. Maybe on the Living Force episode 572, we'll be talking about that story. But until then, that's going to do it for this part of the roundtable, guys. We still have so much to cover. I don't even think I should probably tell you this, but <laughs> we are on, let's see, we're on page, oh wait, this is an old one. We are on, out of a 10-page document that I have, we are on page four. Jeez. And the top, <laughs> like the top of page four, we still have to talk about the dyad itself next Which next is going to take up, I'm just going to guess, maybe a lot of time? Maybe all Not insignificant? Yeah, not a significant, insignificant yeah. amount of time. So we're going to open the next one up with Ray and Ben Solo. That's what I'm going to refer to him as. Get excited, yes, he people, is. and we will see you next week. Eric, take us away, my friend. All right. Well, next week we're going to cover part two of this round table. We'll see if it becomes a three-parter, but tune in next week. We will see you then. But, my friends, on that note, that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you're new, don't forget to subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts and tune in every single week to hear us at Utini talk about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. If you want to buy this book and want to help support the show, look up that book on Utini, click the Amazon link on the profile. We'll get a few cents to help keep the lights on. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us at patreon.com slash Utini or on TeePublic, where our new Lost Stars shirt is available, as well as the Rise of Skywalker shirt is all available. Uh, unfortunately... Slash fortunately, we went a little too late tonight on this episode talking about Rise of Skywalker. Who can blame us? There's so much. So we will not have time for an aftermath show. But we are going to be recording our new episode of Bounty Hunt tomorrow night. We might be able to stream that live. Keep your eyes on the Utini Discord to see if we're doing that. We'd love to see you there. And if not, keep your eyes on that Patreon again. Every week we are putting out episodes of Bounty Hunt about the Clone Wars. We got Legends Look Back episodes about old Legends books and coming to you soon. We got episodes about Star Wars Rebels on the Ghost Crew with me and Charlie. A special thank you to Drew Iberondo and Patrick Ortiz on our Jedi High Council and Timothy Dunlap and Ross Orlando on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support. We really appreciate it, guys. 
You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD. Charles is at C. Hankel. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Freddie, our producer, and Wes, our community manager. Thank you to Corey, Charles, and Wes for podcasting with me tonight. And as always, may the Force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you.